you're not a victim. You're doing it. And when you're ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. The Humble You Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Humble You Podcast, where we talk all things mind, body, and life. And this podcast features a conversation with mother, wife, podcaster, yoga teacher, and author, Anita Grace Brown. She is here to tell her story of transformation and talk about her brand new book, Kamikaze Yoga, Christ Yoga, plus the courage to emerge. And Anita, unfortunately, we live in the same state. We were trying to get this set up in person, but I'll take what I can take here. You know, I've been grateful to, to connect with you on Instagram. I'm excited for this discussion. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Joseph. It's great to be here. So I was checking out your book uh, earlier this week, and I wanted to start with the dedication section. You wrote uh, that the book was dedicated to the fragile child within and the warrior who liberated her. These were lovely words. They gave me goosebumps. Um, Before we get into the inner child and the warrior, I'm curious about how the idea of this book came to be. Well, um, it in one aspect feels like it was always complete inside of me Mm. and that I had to just trust a year of writing hundreds and hundreds of pages and having thousands of thoughts, which were not the book. Mm. And then to be willing to let all of that work go and humble myself (laughs) to the process of starting over and I needed an editor to be the yang to my yin. I have a lot of ideas Mm. and I don't naturally structure uh, easily. And so trusting that life sent me the perfect partner uh, to birth this book, I was able to formulate a couple of key ideas and pull them together into a structure. So it looks like this, seven Mary Magdalene, sins or struggles aligned with seven chakras of our energy centers aligned with seven old testament names for god going back into the hebrew scriptures ancient rootedness something uh, i never expected to kind of be pulled out of me Mm. and within that structure sharing my story of transformation with poetry and my interpretation of scripture. Wow. Uh, that revelation of the the sevens, how did that come to be? Was it through your research? It was, like you said, it wasn't something that was, maybe it was in you, but you didn't notice it. Um, was it through your research that that you you kind of uh, uncovered this, this fact, or was it working with that uh, editor that you kind of had like a little bounce back and forth and, and you guys came to the agreement together? It was through my desperation. Um, I was writing here in Haddon Township for probably 15 months when I realized I was no closer to having a book than day one. Mm. And so I drove to Margate, your hometown, (laughs) and I was alone in my in-law's house crying out to God, you have got to help me. You gave me this idea and I literally am uh, at a loss. And so I got out my markers and a big sheet of paper that covered the whole table. And I began to just write all my concepts and try to just put it out there for me to visually see that, yes, Anita, you have a hundred different ideas going here and you need to focus. And Mm. so it was like in that moment, okay, how do I do that? Mm. 
I had a download of a, of a chant of a old Testament, um, names for God, seven names came to me in that moment. And I chanted them. I sang them and I began weeping. Wow. And then I shared that with a few friends, like via text, like, okay, this is happening in me right now as I try to organize my thoughts for this book. Mm. And then people would respond with, oh, now I'm weeping or now I have body chills. Ooh. So it was like a somatic acknowledgement that, yes, I'm tapping into something really um important divine yeah important divine. divine and 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 it you know it's amazing how those situations because i'm i'm in the same process of of writing and it's amazing how those these these downloads come to you you know they come out of nowhere and sometimes they shock you like sometimes i'm like whoa whoa i have to sit back for a second with this one maybe write it down take a look at it um it's it's so interesting and i really do think that there's a way to to build that connection or at least strengthen that connection so you can get a little bit more um and it's not like you're you're using it it's it's more you know you're actually tapping into the true nature of 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 the world um so i think that's really beautiful that you you did that you noticed that you had a lot going on there was a lot in the head and and that's what happens with a lot of people you know it's like a, a paralysis by analysis there's so much going on and and sometimes when you could just write down that's why i love to tell people to journal like write the the thoughts down you can get them out of the head you could see them now you could taste them you could touch them and there's something to that you know uh, like reading books for me i struggle with electronic books because i need to like touch the pages for some reason. I don't know what that is, but I think that's part of, you know, just being connected. It's, it's, it's all the same sort of thing. So um, in this process, you said that you have this big poster board and in my room, I have about six or seven big poster boards with, a, you know, all the Sharpie colors and, and it really helps, you know, outline um, what's going on in my head. I'm like you, there's a lot of thoughts, a lot of ideas going on. Um, I'm wondering for you in that process, you know, you got the seven, uh, you got this revelation with the number seven, all these connections with the number seven. Did that kind of jumpstart you into, into really structuring this book and finding your true purpose with the book? Or was there other revelations that came along the way? That was the key one that I trusted. And then everything started to fall into place. Like, okay, I can see how this is a picture. And now I just need to trust that my poetry, my, my own story of going from struggle to finding inner peace, um, saving my marriage, wanting to become the mother that my children deserved. Um, and then trusting that when I began this book writing journey, I was a very successful yoga teacher and that was taken away from me. Mm. I felt in my spirit, you are to stop all teaching and do this task. Wow. And yoga teaching feeds me and fills me and um, brings me so much joy. Mm. And I'm an extrovert. So to give up my job and focus at you know, at this point, we're talking, I'm 53, 54 years old, and I'm going to write a book, like to trust that feels enormous, yeah. like to trust that there's going to be not just success, but to impact people, you mm. know, more, more than success, let me say to impact people. That's always been um, my primary impetus within me, like, okay, God, these practices, these prayers, these meditations, 
these journaling exercises. I mean, the book is has the title yoga in it, but what I hope to bring to um, people that know nothing about yoga is anything can be your yoga mm. when you're doing it with your wholeness, yes. when your mind, body, and spirit are engaged, mm. that's your yoga. So your running becomes your yoga. Your writing becomes your yoga. It's no longer just done from ego and these ideas of worldly success. It becomes something so deep and so profound. Like, yeah, sure. I'd love to be successful. That sounds fun, right? To tell people all about, you know, like doing this with you. This is fun. I want to do more of this. Mm -hmm. But mostly I want to hear people read the book and tell me how it impacted them, how it changed their heart. Yeah. And you knew it all along that, you know, this book was coming and, and it was in your bones and, and it's tough, you know, when you, when you have this revelation and you feel like you have to do something, you know, it's like this anxiety almost. Did you feel like a little bit of anxiety to get this out? And, and, you know, not that you were rushing it, but you wanted to just get it out so people can taste all this greatness that you have within. Yes. All the time. I would just have to surrender that timing that people need this now. I see the world in pain now. They only knew these tools now. And just to be able to say, you know what, Anita, what you're sharing on social media today, that has to be enough. Your voice today has to be enough because there's a big timing to when this book's going to come out. You need a publisher. You need uh you know, a lot of partners. <laughs> yeah. It's not, you can't just sit there and, and, and write it and release it. You know, there's so much that goes into it and it's a, it's a long process and it's a growing process. And that's why you have to really believe in what you're doing. And you could hear it, you know, through your voice, through the story so far. I mean, we've only talked for a few minutes, but you can hear the, the, the passion that you have for this material and not only to, to write it, but you know, your, your intentions aren't set for success, they're, they're, they're set for helping people or feeling like there's a purpose for this. And, and I think that's true power. You know, you're writing with, with your blood in a sense, you're not writing, um, you know, out of your ego, you're writing from, from within and, and that's true power. And I was looking through a lot of uh, the notes in your book. I, this is your first book, correct? Right. For this to be your first book, you know, some people they write a book, 50 pages, 60 pages. Okay. You know, it's great. I, I'm not knocking anything, but you know, you wrote a long book. I mean, it was over, I think, 300, 400 pages, you know, you have a lot of material, a lot of great um, little notes. And in the first chapter, uh, I love the name of it. It says, make yourself at home, take the comfy chair. And then what you do it, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin any surprises, but what you do is you really engage the reader in the beginning and you get them interested and, and kind of like what I was saying earlier, like, you know, really into the material, touching it, feeling it, tasting it. Um, it's so powerful in this process of writing for your first book. What was it like? excuse me, <clears throat> what was it like to, 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 to put these ideas down and write such a unique style, write in such a unique style that, that's not your typical traditional book? I, um, through my meditations throughout my 40s, I began to write poetry. Mm. And um, I had never written poetry in my life. So this untapped gift now comes out into the world. And I had mixed reviews because it's coming from a deep, soulful place. And so if the reader is not able or interested in meeting me there, I'm going to hear a lot of that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. So um, literally for probably close to eight years, trusting this voice is being matured and that the people that are ready to hear my message, their ears and their souls are being prepared. So the time, back to the timing of it. 
maybe if I didn't have that editor, if I didn't uh, wait until the end of this year and I had released it and rushed it. Um, I had these weird experiences. My son's very intuitive. He's 21. And I said to him early on, I don't know, maybe this book isn't going to be received for like five years. Maybe people are going to have a hard time understanding where I'm coming from. Mm. And he said, as only a young, youthful, you know, wise person can say, mom, do you want to help people now or in five years? And so I was like, whoa, okay. And so there's a lot of surrender in trusting that my unique voice can also be grounded and be, um, I don't want to say manipulated in a bad way, but my editor did manipulate my voice so that it could be easier to receive. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of her edits came back to me and she said, I don't know whether you're going to love it or hate it because you're so unique, but I made you more ordinary. Oh. And I read it and I said, no, I love it because <laughs> I know that's what I need to be received. I am ordinary, but we're all unique. So it's that like paradox. If you lean into too much of your uniqueness and you just live there all the time, you're going to feel pretty lonely and misunderstood. And I've had a lot of that over the past eight years. Yeah. And I kind of, I'm coming around a bend where I'm like, okay, I can see the light on the other side of um, people getting me and me getting them. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really tough sometimes to to talk to people about such deep material. But what what really helps, at least for me, is making correlations so people can get a sense of oh, that's what she that's what that means. Or oh, um, one thing that 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 people struggle with, and it's and it's part of the title of your book is 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 Christ. Um, the the name Christ can can get some people squirming and moving in their chair. Um, what was 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 there any kick back on, 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 you know, using Christ in, in, in your title, was there any pushback with you or your editor, or was it something that, you know, you had to have uh, in your book? Um, that's, yeah, that's part of the subtitle. So Kamikaze Yogi, the actual title was given to me in my spirit years before I ever wrote word one. Hmm. I remember saying to my husband, I think I'm going to write a book someday and it's called Kamikaze Yogi. And he hated that title because when you think about a kamikaze pilot, it's death, it's it's violent, it's war. And that vision, he thought, was just not uh, anything people would be attracted to. And I said, well, I trust that I heard this from the divine and we'll just see what happens. So as the the years went by and I understood why I was given the title kamikaze, you started this conversation by saying, um, I don't know if it's part of this recording or if it's before we started recording, that in the Bible, there are sacrifices and we don't really understand what's being asked of us. And so the kamikaze aspect of the title means um, I sacrificed a lot. Mm. I sacrificed friendships. I sacrificed being a yoga teacher. I sacrificed popularity. Mm-hmm. I sacrificed a lot of things to um, my priorities are my marriage, my children, and now, you know, this beautiful book. Mm-hmm. So there's always going to be sacrifice. So the death to something, the kamikaze part of us is going to birth something beautiful. But in the midst of the pain, we don't know that. 
there is definitely a darkness and aspect of faith in the pain that we want to hear one another speak to so that I can encourage you wherever you are in that darkness. I know a woman just texted me this morning that she's getting divorced. She's scared to death. Mm -hmm. So I'm speaking to two things happening at once. You're loved. I care. I, I feel your pain through the text. And, and in the end, I don't know when you're going to turn a corner. Yeah, you know, and it's really difficult, you know, when you're when you're lost in that moment, especially in the darkness, to see the light, like you just said, and and you know what it takes is faith and faith in yourself, and a lot of people are struggling to to be, you know, trust theirself or or to be faithful with theirself or at least with the spirit because they're not aware of it because you can't see it, and that's the difficult thing, and that's why it's so hard to to write this material to people because you can't see it and you don't know how they relate to it. Um, but I really think you did a great job, you know, throughout the book of of really honing in on key points um but back to this this idea of, of of religion what's your what's your sense of of religion like how would you describe religion to someone or spirituality to someone if they were curious about what your book was but was having a little bit of a pushback um right. yeah i got a little off topic you asked me about christ in the title <laughs> um so i think my understanding of where we are with Jesus being the Christ right now in 2020 is that my personal relationship with him is everything to me. That could be within religion in my church, or it could be outside of religion. It doesn't have to do anything to do with religion, mm. right? Like you can have a personal relationship with God. And in my tradition, we call him Jesus the Christ. The way that I see through his loving lens into the world, I can see his actions in atheists, agnostics, Buddhists, Muslims, right? I can see his actions because it's being mirrored back to me that he's at work. It doesn't mean I'm pushing anything on them. It means that's my lens. Mm. I'm looking through a lens of love that he worked out in me because I said, yes, mm. it was a, a submission to wanting to be a light. Yeah. And the way I speak about that comes from the Christian tradition, which yes, I do continue to choose to work within. So the book works within those scriptures because they bring the power um, throughout history of humans trying to speak about the divine. And so trying to answer your question, it can be religion and it can be completely a relationship with God outside of religion, but with some languaging that you would rec recognize, yeah. but, but it's still brand new. It's mm. not really, I still always feel like it's fresh. Yeah. And I love that you said relationship, you know, that relationship with God, you know, that's what it really is. And some people and some religions and some pastors and, and, and others, you know, they try to formulate this certain way you're supposed to act or certain way you're supposed to view him. And it's, and it's an individual relationship. And I think that's the most important factor of it, you know, having that individual relationship with him and, you know, and you can get caught into this, this trap of, of kind of putting him or putting the, you know, something on a pedestal instead of being one 
with it. And, you know, I think that a lot of people nowadays are struggling because religion, spirituality, you know, it kind of lost its flavor, its popularity. And a lot of people are now latching on to different things just to feel spiritually, you know, in equilibrium, but it doesn't last too long, you know, they, then they have to go find something else. Have you noticed society, you know, through your years, kind of furthering themselves away from religion and, and, and maybe becoming a little bit more chaotic in that sense? Hmm. Can you say that differently? Becoming chaotic? <clears throat> as in chaotic, as in, I would say, maybe more lost or, or more disconnected with who they are, or what's going on around them or in the world, you know, their place in the world. So I think what comes to mind as you say that I am involved in a local church here in South Jersey and Philadelphia. And so I often feel like just like the book is a bridge between East and West, I'm talking about yogic practices and meditation and how those practices helped me to uncover a power of Jesus within me that helped heal childhood you know, we initially said a little bit in the beginning about inner child. There's a lot in this book tapping into the needs of our inner child. Mm. Um, they're not easy to get in touch with. That's really the older we get and the more life layers, you know, the weight of uh, politics and uh, health on us, the harder it is to hear the needs of our inner child. Mm. So the book's a bridge and I am a personal bridge in my church. I'm always speaking and emailing people and inviting them into more daily practices. Because if you don't have ways of shedding the, uh, the dust, the, the pressure, the conditioned mind, you won't know where God is. You can be in a church and love Jesus, but feel like he's powerless to you. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I feel like I'm really in a unique position to keep reminding people, you need your practices to go deep and to um, shake off uh, the distractions. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of distractions nowadays. And that's sort of where I was getting at with that. And I think you you kind of highlighted exactly, you know, what I'm noticing. And and it, it, the same thing with the relationship with 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 God or the relationship with Christ, this, this same factor, it should be your own personal rituals, your own personal yoga, like you said in the book, um, really beautiful stuff. And, and I love how you're personalizing everything. You're not saying here's the way that I did it. Here you go. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I changed so you can change. Here you go. You know, you're, you're, you're taking people honestly and, and you know how, uh, you know how it was for you, how it was so personal for you. Um, so bridging the East and West, that's a really interesting topic to, to hit upon. And I want to, want to, I guess, question to, to, to ask you, how was it bridging that gap? Because that's a tough gap to bridge. It's almost like bridging science and spirituality, you know, the East and the West. What was that like? What was that process like? So I talk about in the book, I don't know if you got to this part, but I felt very lonely in those early years and feeling like I wasn't going to leave Jesus. And yet everything was changing so fast as I was learning about Buddhism and I was learning from yoga teachers in all different traditions. And I went and took a course at Chestnut Hill College, a master's level course in holistic spirituality. 
and there sat across from me a Jesus loving yogi. It was as if <laughs> life showed me she exists. Look. And she told me to read the book, um, Jesus in the Lotus by Russell Paul. I've heard of that. Yeah. Okay. And so um, that gentleman, Russell Paul, he merged East and West in an interreligious way. So mm -hmm. he lived in India and did both Hindu, Hinduism and Christianity. Wow. And so I was fascinated by his journey and by that community that he created there. But at the end of that book, I when I went within myself to pray about what was going to be asked of me, like, okay, is that what's going to happen next? Am I going to figure out how to live an interreligious life? It just would always like fall away. Like, no, that's not going to happen for you. Mm. Just stay focused on your relationship with God through Jesus and trust that it's almost like trust that the world will adjust. <laughs> like you're doing this inner transformation and the world will begin like you have to stay true to that you have to keep speaking about what you're discovering and there'll be a lot of pain there will be pastors who preach at you i mean on one easter sunday i had a pastor preach at me that i was going to hell because i was choosing from the smorgasbord of religions so that was hmm. very very painful to Jeez. know that there are people that do not give one another permission to be curious, right? Mm. They're very, very afraid. Well, what are they scared of? <laughs> I guess their faith is uh, not as strong as maybe they, uh, they, they project out into the world um, with some of those pastors. But um, w the book through the process, what I'm wondering, because it is a long book, you know, a lot of writing. It took you 15 months, you said? Well, the better part of three years total. Three years total. Okay. Were there any times that you maybe felt like, you know what, maybe this isn't for me or, you know what, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. Were there any times where you were questioning yourself or was it a full on, you know, uh, from end to end, just high spirit, high energy? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> um, yeah, there yeah. were so many times yeah. when um, I didn't believe in myself anymore. Hmm. I didn't believe. You know what's really crazy about the writing process is one day you read what you wrote and you think it's absolutely brilliant. And then you look at it through different eyes on a different day and you're like, this is shit. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Whatever made me think that that was good. Isn't that the truth? Oh, it's so, it's so true. And it's with anything. Like I used to make music same way. I would listen to a song. I'd be like, oh, this is so great. Listen to the next day. It's like, oh, uh -huh. same thing with videos I make or anything. You know, it, it takes like it takes that patience and trust. And you have to, you know, you have to you have to let things sit. And it's the same thing with thoughts and feelings, too. I want to I want to highlight this for anyone listening. You know, if you get excited about something or something feels good in the moment, like, okay, give it that that thought, but then also don't act yet. Let it sit for like at least a day or two. And if it's still feeling good, then the intuition's there. But I think that's a good practice to, to take because it's so, you, you, you get excited. It's the same thing like at night, you feel so differently at night and then you wake up in the morning and you're like a whole different person. So, you know, it's it's so important to, to definitely let things kind of fester for a little bit. Let it sit in your vessel, see how it is, you know, and then if it still feels right, then, then, then act upon it. Um, um, so that's great that you were honest about that. And, 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 and that's the process of writing, you know, it's definitely a growing process, but 
you know, look, I mean, here, it, you, you, you have the book, you, you did it, you pushed through. Um, along the way, what was your largest support along the way to, to, to continue to give you that, 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 that push, you know, that pat on the back to say, keep going, keep going. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, to trust that I am like a modern day mystic. He, he came to me in a yoga uh, session. It was called a Phoenix rising yoga therapy. Have you ever heard of that? No, Phoenix rising yoga therapy. So, um, way before I wrote one word, I was having dinner with another yoga teacher and she was describing this Phoenix rising yoga therapy. And this is what she said to me. It's two bodies coming together and you're the leader. The teacher is helping you stretch and you're doing these partner postures together. And she's helping you uh, open different parts of your body, open your heart and you're breathing in unison. And mm -hmm. then the, the teacher is saying, so what's happening now? So as you're tapping into your spirit and your body, all your energies, your three brains, when you respond to the question, the simple question, what's happening now? It's as if your soul is speaking. Mm -hmm. And so the teacher just mirrors those words back to you. So in my, so in this conversation, I say, oh my word, I need to do that. Like sign me up. I just knew. And so I go to the session with this stranger, with this different woman. And she says to me, as she's stretching my hamstring, Anita, so what's happening now? And I start crying and I say, it's Jesus. And she mirrors back, it's Jesus. And I say, he says, I'm alive in your body. And she says, I'm alive in your body. So you can imagine this mirroring taking place. And you're just like, oh. wow. And you're just crying and you just know it's true. It's just beyond any doubt. It's an embodied knowing. And then you just follow that and you begin reading about mystics in the Christian tradition who have heard from him. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is unbelievable. Wow. What's it called again? Phoenix Rising? Yeah. So with COVID, you won't be able to find anybody to do that with you, unfortunately. <laughs> no, but but speaking of, of COVID, I did want to bring this up. You were saying maybe not the right time if I rushed it. You know, with the COVID, everyone's home. Everyone's really reflecting on their life. And a lot of people are questioning things. You know, I'm noticing I don't know if it's just because I came back on Instagram recently, but I'm noticing a lot more people are talking about mind body. A lot more people are interested in mind body and, and interested in, in, in meditation, especially here in America. Um, that's another switch that I've been noticing recently. Um, what about you? Have you noticed that that more of an Eastern philosophy starting to take place here in, in the West in America? Absolutely. Well, when you think about it, we're talking about creating space. So people's busy lives they're working eight, nine, 10 hours a day. They're commuting. They have to cook the dinner and clean the house and take care of the kids. There is no space mm. to explore spirituality. And so I think that's why a lot of people, if they did attend church, it was one hour a week. And that was their spirituality, listening to a pastor. Now with quarantine, you're home and you're beginning to explore. Why do I think these things? Why do I have these habits? You know, 
what else do I want out of life? Is this all there is? Those big questions, you start to have some space. So yes, I'm seeing that everywhere. Mm. And then for you, how long in, in you know into your life did you notice this spirit, this 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 you know inner inner sense of of Jesus uh, within you? When, how how long did it take for you to notice that? Was it early on in your childhood? You you already had the relationship, or was it something that you know maybe there was a moment that that really woke you up? Yeah, unfortunately, I had a pretty rough childhood. Uh, my father left. Uh, right at birth. So I never met him until I was 50 years old. Wow. So that has a really uh, big impact on a child's life, never having met their birth father. And so that then uh, led into some abuse while I was a teenager. And so these things all get stuffed down. And so I get on my yoga mat at 38 years old, and I'm starting to have these memories and these unique feelings that there's something off that I haven't healed. And so the yoga mat, absolutely, um, between yoga and then meditation is time with the divine therapist, I like to call it. Um, You can really, between you and God in that relationship, heal. And back then, we're talking 17 years ago. I didn't know anybody in therapy. So it's not like I had the thought, oh, let me go talk to a therapist. That really wasn't a thing. Mm. I mean, people were doing it, but not in my circles. Yeah. And so I just stuck with doing it on my own on my yoga mat. Wow. And then what brought you to the yoga mat? Because back then, maybe it wasn't as, was it as, I'm not sure, was it as as popular as it is today? No, not nearly, but just starting. Oh, just starting. Okay. Yeah. We had the first yoga studio on the main street here in Collingswood. And that teacher would just bring these stories from the Bhagavad Gita, which is the Bible of yoga. And I would leave there after 90 minutes and my $15. And I would say, I feel like I just took a college course. She would tell us these beautiful stories. Mm. I feel like I went to the gym because I worked my body. And I feel like I went to church because there was something so deeply spiritual happening. And so I was like, this is really special. Mm. Mm. And it's funny because I had the opposite. Exp- I, I, my experience was I went to church and I had that experience, which you should have in church, obviously, but I never had it before. And it was like it really woke me up. That's what woke me up and, and got me on my path was was one non-denominational church after one of my newscasts, one of the reporters brought me and it was and that was it, you know, just feeling that spirit. There is something different. And when you first taste it, whether you're at church or whether you're you're doing your yoga, um, you know, it really shakes you up and, and it's really hard to let it go. It really has an impact. And we shouldn't let it go. I think it's the most real thing there is. Mm. Mm. But but some people it, it kind of they get scared they they, they don't want to they don't want to go any further because of that fear and especially our society we love being comfortable we love being stimulated and you know um, when something like that occurs and you can't really explain it and you can't see it it, it kind of pushes people away. Yeah, I think people need to find that one person that's safe to talk to about it who affirms you in your experience mm. instead of somebody who makes you feel weird. Mm. Yeah, and, and and nowadays with a lot of the egos walking around, it's 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 like a dog eat dog world out there. Everyone wants to look better and put people down, and and it takes people like you, you know, to show people the way. And it's uh, it's it's so beautiful to be able to talk to you about a book that you just wrote. Um, when's the book going to be released exactly? 
either December or January. I'm still waiting for the date, but very soon. Okay, so it's going to it's going to be out soon, folks. Again, Kamikaze Yoga. Um, if anyone's interested in, in reading this book, what can they get out of this book? What's some takeaways that somebody will will gain from reading this beautiful book? I tried to make the practices super accessible. So no matter if you're uh, over 60, or you're overweight, or you um, might even have a, a small disability, I tried to make the practices uh, for any body. So they're very, very basic. And, um, I tried to make it clear that it's not that you want to do a really hard practice. It's that you want to know what it's like to be connected to yourself, your body, your breath. And you'll notice, oh, suddenly there's more of me taking in my food, my nature, my family. There's more of me experiencing my life. Mm. So I hope that that's what people get out of it. There's more of you. <laughs> mm. It's true. It's so true. And, and, and oh, man, I, I really can't explain it, but walking in nature, you know, my first couple of times and feeling that connection, it really is unbelievable. You know, you know that you're part of it, you know, you know, that this is, this is, this is your roots in a sense. Um, speaking of those roots and darkness, I'm wondering in the book, did you get into some of these uh, principles, like, you know, taking on the darkness, because like you said, you were, you were on that yoga mat and it all starts to arise, or at least some of these suppressed thoughts, they start to kind of filter up when you, when you relax yourself and you let your mind kind of flow into the flow into the zone. Um, for some people that, that, that have darkness, you know, that are, that, that have a lot of suppressed thoughts. Um, it, it's, it, of course we want people to take it on, but it can be a little bit dangerous if you're not ready for it. And it could take you down a, a, a road that you don't want to go down. Um, so what's your advice to somebody, you know, taking on this new practice of, of taking their inner self serious and allowing things to kind of come up? That's a really great question because I, once I heard this statement, uh, I've never turned back. The body is the subconscious mind. Mm. So it's so simple and it's so powerful. And I know with everything that you're sharing on social media, you're really into the subconscious mind and the shadow self. So when you think about, okay, my body is my subconscious mind. That means that my body's energy through pain, through tension, through, um, it, it could be any unfamiliar sensation that could have a language to it mm. and it could have a memory to it. Now, Jesus, you could think of him as the logos, the logic. So that's why I like bringing, um, East and West and my relationship with him into these practices, because if he's the logic, he's going to make sense of that pain of that memory of that darkness, he's going to make sense of it. So to me, that's the most beautiful good news I could bring that no, I wouldn't recommend anybody delve into it feeling um, alone or feeling like they have to, like you have to know your why. Mm -hmm. I knew I needed healing and I knew he was going to help me with that. Mm -hmm. I didn't do it to be powerful. I didn't do it to, you know, try to create some kind of superhuman. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so another thing that I'm curious about um, with, with, with this, this process of, of, 
meditation and, and, and yoga and, and growth and, and everything, a lot of people think, oh, once I start, it's going to be so easy and everything's going to flow so beautifully. Um, you know, what's your thoughts on that? How is that? How was that process for you of growth? Was there, you know, of course, those days where, where you know, there is that tough, that toughness and it's not a, a complete straight rise up. You know, there are those kind of levels that you have to get through. Yeah, I like to think of it in terms of the gospel being three days, Good Friday, the, the waiting Saturday, and the resurrection Sunday. So I say in the book, you're not going to get to resurrection Sunday without the suffering of Good Friday. Mm. And so we're working with our nervous system with these practices. We're working with strengthening our own um, ability to withstand so you're in an argument with somebody and you would normally have a knee jerk offense. I'm offended. I'm angry. And then you say something and now you can't take it back. Well, working with your nervous system, you're creating this spaciousness to be the witness. So somebody says something and where once you would just react, now you're going to have that pause and you're going to have that moment. So that's how we create a new world mm -hmm. because we're no longer uh, ego to ego, just continually thinking, uh, oh, this is about me and my positioning and my stuff and my, you know, me, 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 me. Right? <laughs> I was just going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not that at all. So these practices hopefully uh, give you a little bit of space to understand that that person has a right to think the way they do. And maybe you're going to come back with a different response that they're going to listen to this time. Mm. Mm. They're going to take you seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not just reacting. You're not just going off of, you know, how you feel at the moment. Then that goes into what we said earlier about like thinking and letting things kind of fester for a little bit. Just make sure because um, we, we we tend to to draw the, the gun a little bit too quickly sometimes in life. Um, and speaking of quickly, this podcast is flying by. I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> um, but we're coming up close to the end here. Um what I like to do is, is kind of wrap things up with some fun little questions just to, to ease in to the end of the podcast. And the first question I want to ask, and this one's going to be interesting, there's a lot of mysteries out in mind, body, and life. And I'm wondering for you, what's one mystery you wish you had the answer to in relation to mind, body, or life? Hmm. I can't, I can't um, answer that. I think that there would be no enchantment. <laughs> If there were answers to mystery, that seems like a ridiculous, preposterous thing to say. <laughs> it's so funny because when I was asking the question, I knew that the answer was going to be something in that realm with you. Oh, man, that was perfect. I, no, I, lean, I lean into mystery. I'm all about mystery. <laughs> I love it. I love it. it. As long as you're open to it, you know, that's, that's the thing. You got to be open to it. There's so many mysteries out there and it's good to be curious about yourself and, and kind of experiment with things, see what works, see what doesn't work. All righty. Let's, let's move to a question that you can answer. So let's say Anita, you have a podcast, you know, the Anita Grace Brown Kamikaze podcast, and you can have three guests. And if you only think of one, that's fine. But three guests that are dead or alive, fiction or nonfiction. So anything of anybody that you can have on your podcast, who would they be? Um, are you familiar with Rob Bell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He, yeah. Oh, yeah. Love wins and yes. Velvet Elvis. And oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I um, think he's super, super special. 
he's a mystic. Mm-hmm. I would love to have a one-on-one conversation with Rob Bell. Actually, so. I met him. I'm just remembering. Really? I did meet him. Yeah, he uh, gave a speech on his book, What is the Bible, um, in New York City. And I went to go see him, and we met afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, Rob Bell. That's a great one. That is a great one. He is a mystic, huh? Yes, he is. What a great author. Yes, he is. So thank you. That's one. Um, let me think a second. So I listened to a lot of Alan Watts on YouTube and, um, wow, fascinating. Just blows everything up, right? Yeah, I was listening. I'm laughing again because I was listening to him last night and I fell asleep to him, which I normally do. He has that soothing voice. Um, Could you imagine interviewing him? I've listened to that voice falling asleep many times. (laughs) Yep, yep. So that's why you and I are having this conversation. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yep. Love him. Mm. And let me think, who would my third be? Um, hmm. I'm just going to leave it at those two right now. Wow. Wow. Two great guests. We got to yeah. get this podcast started. <laughs> All righty. Last question. Um, you know, life is, uh, you're at a great place that you're at now. You know, you're self-connected. Um, you've been through a lot. Uh, you've, you've gone through a lot of growth. But previously, you know, maybe there were moments where life didn't make sense. You were confused. You were lost. Knowing what you know now, if you can go back and talk to the older version of yourself in a struggling moment, what would you say to that version of yourself? There have been so many of those moments which turned into hours, which turned into days, which turned into years that I want to say to that woman, it's all part of it. Like you wouldn't be who you are, knowing what you know, open to mystery, loving who you love, um, not being, there's hardly any judgment in this heart. Like this is a new heart, um, I'm holding today. This is a brand new heart uh, because I included every part of my story and I leaned into everything that I found Mm. and I didn't run away. I've been really brave in facing the darkness. And again, I just want to say that um, Jesus helped me make logic out of things that were really confusing and chaotic. Mm. Um, Mm. In my experience, he is very reliable and very alive. And um, his promise to me that day, I'm alive in your body. When I'm lost from myself, all I have to do is kind of remember that. Mm. And so it's kind of like, a. I know there are many different ways to put together the anima and the animus, the Christos and the Sophia, right? Like it, that's what he and I are doing in here. It's like a twin flame. Uh, and I guess that's the Phoenix, uh, the rising Phoenix yoga. It's sort of that principle. Yeah. Really cool. Beautiful. Uh, so if people are interested in maybe learning more about you, uh, maybe following your Instagram, do you have a website or, or maybe hand out your handle so people can connect with you? Thank you. I have a podcast called it's five o'clock somewhere and it is, um, (laughs) yoga practices anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes in length. There are a hundred episodes. Wow. And so there's a lot of content out there for people to practice with me and just to trust listening to my voice is enough. I really felt called that that was the um, 
the way to go versus video. I have one YouTube class called There's Nothing Wrong With My Body Yoga. So you can see me in person. But to listen to my voice, I've gotten a lot of great feedback that people are getting in tune with their bodies and their experience because they're not looking out. They're just listening mm -hmm. and they're just trusting that it's, it is simple. It's not complicated. Mm -hmm. So that's my biggest um, recommendation is to check out my podcast, but I'm on um, Instagram and Facebook as Anita Grace Brown. I don't have a website right now because I'm switching over from, I used to be called Smiling Heart Yoga, but I think I'm going to, after the book comes out, it'll just be a website called my name and it'll have all of my offerings on one website, but I haven't done that yet. And not to push you into the future, but well, do you have any future plans? Um, you know, now that this book's completed, you got a lot more free time, I, I can imagine. Uh, what are your plans moving forward? Uh, I hope that the world starts to allow us to gather in small groups. And I would love to do some classes and conferences and workshops, bringing together the practices with the spirituality, with openness for conversation and questions and sharing. Yeah, I did a lot of that uh, before I started writing the book in prisons, in churches, and in just, you know, any type of uh, venue. Mm -hmm. And so I hope to swing back around and, and bring those offerings. And, and I did um, retreats. I've done three yoga retreats. Wow. Wow. So yeah. maybe the world will uh, calm down a little bit. We'll start to feel like we can be together again in person. I hope so. Uh, it's funny, real quick on the beach. I saw you this summer. I was, I think I was dancing too, which is a little awkward, but I think I was dancing and I saw you, you came behind me and kind of scared me. You startled me. Um, yeah. So, so we, we get to see each other sometimes during the summer, which is great. Um, but this whole conversation has been such a pleasure. You know, you have a warm heart, you're speaking from an authentic space. And like you said, the people listening to you, you know, the, that were listening to the podcast that were noticing changes, uh, it's because you're speaking from, you know, a true sense of spirit. And that's a rare thing in this world, especially this world, this physical material world we live in. Um, so I'm truly, truly grateful for being able to have this conversation with you, connecting with you, and hopefully in the future collaborating together. I would love to, Joseph. This has been wonderful. You're an excellent interviewer and a great <laughs> listener. Thank you so much.